Hi, I'm Pat Kelly. And I'm Peter Oldring, and we're the hosts of This Is That. Are you kidding? For over a decade, we were radio's go-to source for completely fabricated news. You must be joking me. And now, we're back in podcast form. We've selected some of our favorite stories from over the years and put them in one convenient location. Sugar in the tap water. Bilingual dog park. Charging to see wildlife. This Is That, coming soon on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hey, I'm Tom Power. Welcome to Q. So I think we should start uh, this episode with some music. Welcome home. Alan Doyle from Petty Harbor, Newfoundland and Labrador, with a brand new song called Welcome Home, off his brand new solo album, as they say, of the same name. That is, and and this comes up in the interview, Alan's 20th album over 30 years, if you combine his solo work and his work with his old band, Great Big C. That's a lot of songs. That's a lot of theaters. That's a lot of hockey rinks. And especially in the early days, that's a lot of uh, pubs. If you're not as familiar, Alan Doyle is considered one of Canada's most beloved songwriters and entertainers. He's a member of the Order of Canada, a member of the Order of Newfoundland and Labrador. When you go to see an Alan Doyle show, and I've seen this firsthand because I've seen a lot of them, you can be sitting there cynical. It's a gray and, and rainy day, and you know, you're not really in the mood to party. And then like 10 minutes in, you're standing up, you're singing along, you're chanting, you have a big smile on your face. So what happens when the consummate performer writes an album that's a little bit more vulnerable about fatherhood, about love, about getting older? How did Alan end up joining Great Big C anyway? And what does Alan's guiding philosophy of do what the night asks of you, what does that really mean? Welcome Home is out now. Here's my conversation with Alan Doyle. How are you doing? It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Nice to have you here, man. Yeah, it's I, awesome. Is, this, is, this is all very exciting, you know? It is. It's still exciting, to be honest with you. And it's kind of, in, in, if you stick around long enough in the music biz, um, there becomes this uh, cycle of, of excitement that you're still in it, you know, and that you still feel, I still feel like, um, I still feel like, you know, um, the, the, the music I'm putting out matters to people and I yeah. still feel like, you know, we're selling tickets to shows and, and, and I legitimately kind of feel still in the mix and, and that's a great feeling. 20, 20 albums. Yeah. What, what do you make of that? It was brought to my attention when we were in Montreal doing this record, Corey or, or Tedford or, or someone said to me, you know, this is your 20th record. And I was like, no, 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 that's too many records. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no, is your name Bob or Dylan? Then nah. that's too many records. <laughs> the, uh, what, what, what luck, man, you know, yeah. like what luck, like to, to um, you know, to have that long of a stretch doing something that you love as much as I love doing this, you know, and, and, and I'll do 20 more if they'll have me. There's a, a couple of interesting things about about this record, um, and I want to start off with this one. So there's a song on this record that I, I recognized right away because you recorded it once before with, with Great Big C. It was one of your very first songs that you wrote. Can we just take a listen to it? It's a cold day for September Was all I thought to say 
So that's How Did We Get From Saying I Love You, as recorded by Great Big C from their album Play in, in 96. This is the version on the new record. I knew something changed between us Cause all the talk we made was small What do you say to someone when they've heard you say it all? What do you hear when you hear those back to back? I hear a guy a key lower. That's what I hear right, <laughs> right off the bat. <laughs> a full step down. Um, and I hear the lovely Kendall Carson playing fiddle and the lovely Todd Lumley yeah. playing piano. And uh, that song is interesting. It is one of the first songs I ever wrote in my life. Um, and I wrote it when I was probably 19 I might have been 20 by the time I finished I had it kicking around and we we recorded it on on the Great Big C record um and and in 1995 or six or something like that. And, and, uh, I always loved it because it was it, the story of that song is really, it was the first time ever. So I had a relationship that ended like, and that kind of, it mattered, like the breakup mattered. Yeah. It was like signaling some kind of shift in, in the paradigm of relationship. You know, when, when you're 16 and you break up with your girlfriend or something, it doesn't really matter, you know, cause you still hang out the next day and yeah. everyone goes out with everybody or whatever, you know, it's mm-hmm. like eventually. And then, but then I was like 19 or 20 and, and this relationship ended and we met on the bridge in Petty Harbor. And I remember literally saying, it's a cold day for September. Like, and just all we talked about was the weather. And, and it was just this shocking realization to me that, you know, relationships as an adult are quite different than relationships when you're a kid. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I wrote a song about it and, and, uh, I've always loved that song. And I thought that, uh, with the beautiful, beautiful band, with our lineup with Kendall playing fiddle and singing the harmonies on this, that I always thought the band would do an incredible job of it. And it's oddly enough, it's one of the songs that, that all the great big C gang, we all loved it. But of course we never got to do a lot of those kind of songs in concerts. Not right? a lot of ballads, right? Not a lot of ballads. Yeah. And, and especially me, you know, cause we had, of course, Sean, such an amazing ballad singer. And such a lovely high voice that he often sang a few of the ballads and had beautiful ones. So I almost never got to sing ballads in Great Big C. So I was, I'm so grateful to have that one back in the mix. Tell me about that 19-year-old songwriter. Because I think when you were starting out, you were playing a lot of covers, right? You were playing, oh, a lot yes. of, lot of, you were playing in your uncle's cover band. Yeah. Um, songwriting back home is not something you have to do. That's right. You yeah. can make a really nice life for yourself and have a very satisfying yeah. performing life playing folk songs and yeah. playing other traditional I, and songs. And I probably would have. Yeah, I probably would would have never really written very many songs. Uh, I only wrote I wrote a handful of them before Great Big C started. That was one of them, and then the I I I wrote songs as Great Big C needed them as we went, and then I became more and more sort of prolific at it, I guess, instead of writing songs for other people and more for myself. And it adds up to twenty records plus whatever else is kicking around. But the I, I was it was always a thing for me that. Um, um, you, you go to the pub, you know, at the Rose and Thistle or you go, you know, somewhere on George Street or whatever and you'd play whatever the night wants done, yeah, right? Yeah. And you'd play, you know, so you end up playing Stan Rogers and you might you might sneak in a song or two of your own, yeah. but you're going to end up playing a lot of, you know, Sonny's Dream a bunch of times and yeah. you're going to end up playing a bunch of Stan Rogers and a bunch of the Eagles and a bunch of whatever. So it's a great musical apprenticeship, really. And it really does. If you if you got your ears and eyes open while you're doing that, mm. you can learn why those songs make it to those places. Little Steven says that from the E Street Band. He says the only reason the E Street Band really worked out is A, they Bruce Springsteen's incredible, but yeah. all I mean, that helps. But yeah. also they had spent years in Asbury Park yeah. playing 
dance songs all yeah, night, cover keep, songs all night. Keep and like if if you got your eyes and ears open during the phase of your life when you're a cover band or a cover artist or a cover singer, you will not you you will learn why those songs make it to those set lists all the time. And and in in my own life, uh, you know, I've been accused more than once, and I'm guilty of it. I know of writing songs for the concert more than the more than the record, you mm-hmm. know, and. And uh, because I love those nights so much and I, I spent all my apprenticeship not in a studio or not in like a writer's workshop, I spent it on the stage in the pubs of Newfoundland and Atlantic Canada and all those places. And I want to have songs that can make it into uh, into the catalog of those, you know, holy places, you yeah. know. And so, uh, and this record was one of the things that separates this record as a little. This is one of the first times that I ever kind of relaxed a little bit and and sang a bit more lower and slower and kind of internally, and it's a bit more confessional. And, and that's why I thought, how do we get from saying I love you kind of would be a perfect fit on this record. Because it, it's one of those songs. Um, I think for a lot of people, they, they may not know this. And, and given that this is 30 years in the industry and, and 20 years, twenty albums, I thought it'd be a nice opportunity to go back. A lot of people, um, at least outside of St. John's in that era, might not know that, and this is I have to be careful about how I say this, Great Big C kind of existed before you. They yeah. were they were another band yeah. called Rankin Street. Yes, right. So Sean and Bob and Daryl and a girl named Jackie uh, had a band, and they were the best band in downtown St. John. Did you go to see them? Oh, God, yes. Everyone did. Playing your old bass drum. Well, Riley played on a big bass drum, and Riley had a mind for murder and slaughter. Riley had a big break, Lynch and I kept his eye on his lovely daughter. Giddy-I-A, 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 for the one night, Riley, giddy-I-A. They were uh, they were the best pub band in St. John's. They were fantastic, and so that was in the even the late '80s and early '90s. And then when I moved to St. John's in the late '80s, I started playing solo at like the Rose and Thistle, often across the street from Rankin Street. Yeah, <laughs> and that's where Sean and Bob and Daryl saw me play. So they'd walk over. They would walk over break on their or... breaks and yeah. stuff. And then and I think it was the I think it was around Christmas of '92. They they wanted to start a new band with somebody who could really play both rock and roll and traditional music. And, and and could write songs. And I always had been writing sort of comedy tunes and stuff and, and writing the odd, and I could play electric guitar and those kind of things. And and so that's where that's where they saw me, and that's how Great Big C started, and that's uh, and that's really all of that led to this day. In this, yeah. And I mean that sincerely. Like the none of this would be happening if if um, if Sean and Bob and Daryl and Louie and Murray and Chris and all those guys hadn't lifted me, you know, for you know a couple of decades on the road, and 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 so grateful for it. What do you remember about the conversation? Did they did they come up to you and say during like when you got off stage and say, Hey, Alan, we're starting a band? Was it a phone call? What was it? Do you remember? I, I well, I met, I knew Daryl a little bit, uh, Daryl Power, and I, I didn't really know Bob at all, but I, and I'd never really met Sean, but Sean introduced himself to me on Water Street, said, I saw you, I think you're great, we're thinking about starting a band, would you like to come for a jam? And which I did, and I went for like a sort of listen to records and stuff with Sean first, and then me and Sean and Daryl, and then Bob was living in Ottawa, and he moved home, and then Great Big C really got rolling in the end, the summer of 1993, and then by 1994, we had interest from Warner Music Canada, wow. and, and by you know, then we put out records, and, and off we went. An immediate yes to hey, do you want to join this band? Oh yes, yeah, yeah, because they again, because as you say, the, the the band that they already had was really good, yeah, and I wasn't in a band, yeah, I was playing, I I was doing solo gigs, I was the guy in the corner at Trappers, you know, singing American Pie from. You know, ten o'clock till two o'clock in the morning, and loving it. By the way, you know, <laughs> he'll still do it. He'll still do it. I loved it. I, yeah, I really yeah. did. Like I just, I, I loved. Um, I have a great deal of respect for people who can do that. Yeah, 
the, to be the pub guy and yep. be the guy in the corner. Harder than you it's think. Way harder than you think, and it doesn't get the respect it deserves. And I just, I for me, it was I knew that I was playing music, and that was that was better than not playing music, right? And like, and quite frankly, in the you know in 1990, I didn't have any I had half dozen songs that I'd written. You know, I wasn't. I was I wanted to be on stage more than I wanted to be in the studio writing and recording music then because I didn't even know what that was, you know I was just I was just glad to be in a band and they had the best band going and when I got a chance to get in it I jumped at it. When the band starts a bit of a local sensation at first starts yeah. doing really well starts doing really well in the on the east coast of Canada starts doing really yeah. well in like college campuses right yeah. that was sort of the first big like university campuses you guys start doing really biggest, well there. Which, I think it's one of the biggest misses currently in the in the Canadian music industry. Like even the difference of selling records and streaming and all the stuff that's happened since I started playing music. If I could bring back one thing for the benefit of young bands in Canada, I would bring back the COCA circuit, the Canadian Organization, Canadian Organization of Campus Activities, started by Denise Donlan, by the way. My old boss. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that was basically a series of gigs from one, cor- one corner of Canada to the other. Uh, in every pub, every lunchroom, every theater, every cafeteria of every campus. And and if you got booked on one of them, you probably got booked on all of them. And it paved your way across the country. And and Great Big C jumped at that in the mid-90s. And, and, and so did lots of other bands like Big Sugar and Our Lady Peace and Sloan. And all those bands were kicking. They benefited tremendously from that organization. And, and, that's, and, and we took off doing it, yeah. What did that feel like? What did it feel like to go from being the sort of like local sensation to things really starting to happen, to having major label in? interest to having people starting to look at you in retrospect it was really fast yeah it wasn't it yeah in retrospect it was very fast and and i don't i can't speak for the other guys but i didn't i i, I was just flabbergasted that people would would come at all you know like much less get a label or any of that i i knew it was a big deal but you know and I, i'm pretty sure i can speak for sean and bob and, and daryl and all the gang we were just so focused on what was coming next that whatever was happening today was kind of, you know, done and done and onwards and onwards and onwards because we just knew we had to push so hard in order to make a go of it, you know, be especially being from out that far east, just geographically it was so much more expensive and all that stuff. And and everybody worked like dogs, you know, and, and, and off we went. I'm Tom Power. You're listening to Q. Coming up, more of my conversation with the musician Alan Doyle. Think of your favorite one-hit wonder. Or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have. Or that TV show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon. Now what if we could fix it? I'm Francesca Ramsey. And I'm DeLon Grant. And after 20 years of friendship, we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called Let Me Fix It. Each episode, we'll dig into our favorite celebrities, shows, and brands of yesteryear, and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today. Think of our show as an intervention, but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'm Tom Power. You're listening to Q. Here's more of my conversation with the folk singer, Alan Doyle. Um, uh, one of the things that helped, and I want to talk a little bit about um, some of the big songs over the years. Yeah. Let's let's start with this one. I am lifted, I am lifted, <laughs> when I'm up, I can't get down, can't get down, can't get level. When I'm up, I can't get down, get my feet back on the ground. When I'm up, I can't get down. It's Great Big C, and down, When I'm Up, I Can't Get Down. Uh, a lot of people don't know. Cover. Cover. Yeah. A version of a uh, yeah. Oyster Band, right? Oyster Band just announced they're doing their final tour, by the way. Oh, wow. Uh, 
Oyster Band, one of the greatest unknown Celtic bands in the world yeah. from uh, England. And uh, they had a million great songs. And we got to open for them several times in Germany and England and the UK and places. And yeah, that I think it was Bob, but it might have been Sean. One of, one of those two guys, anyway, brought a bunch of Oyster Band songs to a, an early jam saying we should... We should do one of these songs. Oh, so before you knew, I thought it might have been like you were on tour with them and you heard no, that song. And, no, no, oh, we wow. were, I, I, I had never heard of them. And uh, like most North Americans probably never heard. And, and I, with Sean or Bob, I'm 99% sure, uh, brought a, a couple of early Oyster Band tapes at the time, like Trawler or one of those ones. And they had, you know, for, I mean, for your listeners, it's like this was like one of the bands that were uh, coming up the same time the Pogues were and yeah. a bunch of other ones. And they, and, and yeah, and, and one of the great, things about you know great big c and that i've that i carry with me to this day is that we always pick the best song like we're picking the best song whatever the best song is if i wrote it if you wrote it whatever and and like even this this new record it's, it's the same thing i started with like i don't know 25 songs and there's nine on it mm-hmm. and it's always like you know welcome home it's like okay well that's that's Whatever the best songs we have, that's what's going on the record. And I still stick to that strategy to this day. Well, let's let's play one more song from the from the old days. Let's take a listen to this. And I say, hey, 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 it's just an ordinary day. And it's all your state of mind. At the end of the day, you just got to say it's all right. It's Ordinary Day, um, a song that has become as close as you can have to like a modern folk song in this yeah. country in this country right now. Yeah. I have seen you perform that song in front of, how many people were at Bud Stage last year? Like, oh, uh, 8,000 or 8,500 or 9,000 or something like that. Yeah. I've seen you perform it for that many people. I've seen you at the Winnipeg Folk Festival in front yeah. of like 10,000 people performing yeah. it. I've seen you play it in a restaurant for six people. Yeah. I've seen you play it at a house party sure. for four people. Yeah. You can't get away with really not playing that song yeah. what, what is why that why would you do you what, what does that song mean to you <laughs> uh, well if you're writing songs for a living you're in a band for a living you hope that you strike lightning or whatever once in your life at least you know and that one was just the perfect combination of of all the talents that were in the band and all the at, at the perfect time you know, speaking about a topic that was very topical but Newfoundland kind of attitude and and survivalist mentality or whatever. I never thought about yeah. the song that way. It's like, I, yeah. I, I only know the story about the song with the Jan Arden verse. I never thought yeah. about it. Is, is yeah, survival- I mean, the, the really essence of the song is, is was us yelling to the world that, that Newfoundland and Labrador is a, is, a, is a survivalist place and that, you know, you can toss whatever, you know, a few centuries of hardships and storms at us, but we're going to be all right. Yeah. And 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 that was the you know the main topic of the song. And then and then and then you know the the recording of the song ended up being really good too, right? Because Sean has this amazing Bowron part in it, and the yeah. bass line is like yeah, the bass line is like it's like Jackson Five cool. And Bob, of course, has this really cool bazooki part and an accordion riff in the middle and it's just and then the video was really cool and we got played on much music all the time and like and so it's still it really resonated with people and it still resonates uh uh with 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 all the audience to this day it, it remains one of the biggest songs in my set you know yeah. it's like so grateful for it uh, did you notice an up like an uptick in the band when that song comes out or you're like oh we're at a different level now or that kind of thing do you I don't, I don't know if you think about that kind of stuff I don't I don't really think about that kind of stuff you know, so yeah, again I, I, you know yeah, like yeah, the, yeah, I, 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 I was I, I look I look at how many tickets are sold because I want to make sure that I can get to come back and do this again you know and and uh, but yeah I, I was just I remain grateful for the songs you know like for my own records like 
when I say one, two, you three, say three, four, yeah. is like a huge concert song yeah. now. And like I'm so, myself and Ed Robertson wrote that one. Whiskey, whiskey, the singer's getting sore. We raised the roof, now we're lowering the floor. The band is blistered, but we got a little more. When I say one, two, you say three, four, one, two, three, four. And I'm super grateful for that one, An Ordinary Day, and a few others like just become like these, these things that people... I, I feel really lucky that there are songs that people expect to hear. Yeah. It's a very, you're, you're blessed if you get to that stage. Yeah, good point. If people come away disappointed that they didn't hear yeah. a certain song, that's a, it's good no, that you're man. there. It's your, if you get there, that's a, that's a hard level to get to where there's, you know, a half dozen things that people really want. It makes me understand this rec- new record a little bit more now. You were talking the idea that there are concert songs. That yeah. one, I, when I say one, two, you say three, four. Yeah. That yeah b- built into that. Is yeah. a crowd response. I've written songs, like, literally, that have lyrics for the audience to sing. You know, like, and that's, <laughs> you know, so, you know, that, that, that'll tell you right there. All you need to know about Alan Doyle. <laughs> so, so, so what happened on this new record that you decided to, to slow things, not slow things down, sing a little bit lower, sing a little bit more introspective, a little bit more personal? Well, upon encouragement, really, from Corey and, and Kendall and the gang and the band a little bit, too, it was like, Alan, we got a million burn burners, you know, and like... You've been doing this long enough, you know, I know you don't think people will listen to you, but they probably will. You know, is there anything that you want to, you know, sort of whisper instead of yell? And and there's a couple of songs on here that that are, that are more more sort of confessional whispers than they are than they are barn burners, you know, and, and it's not, um, you know, in, a, in, a, in the weirdest kind of way, it's not the stuff I'm most comfortable doing. Right. You know, I'm, I'm way more comfortable doing a, you know, doing a, a beer garden song than I am a. Uh, you know, confessional about my own shortcomings, you know, and, uh, but, the, the, you know, I, I just, I just felt comfortable, I suppose, comfortable enough doing it for this record because I wanted that brushstroke to be in the stew of the 20 records that I have, I guess, you know, that you're always trying to add something to that, that stew so people are still interested without, um, without losing what, what, what got them there in the first place, you know, and, and so the, you know, it's with I, I. You know, I, I kind of offer a few of the songs on this record with great humility, if you will. You know, it's like there there are things I don't usually sing about, and you know, there's a song on here about being a dad. You know, about about you know my son growing up, and he's going to leave the house soon. He's almost eighteen. You know, and what that feels like. You know, and then there's you know there's another song called Hard Old Hands that's really just me. You know, confessing that you know. You know, even though I smile a lot, not every day is great. Yeah. You know, and sometimes you just gotta, as Corey Tetford says, beat and smash, and uh, and uh, and use the the, you know, the hammers that God gave you, and and just just beat out a song and and move on. You know, and 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 so I'm I'm excited for people to hear, the, you know, this side of me. You know, and is it scary at all? Terrifying. Yeah, it always is, you know, and it but should the, be too. But like this specifically, I know it's always. Yeah. But is it scary yeah. at all to be like, hey, I'm putting this stuff out yeah. a little bit more, you know? Yes, it is, and it should be. Yeah, it should be scary. If you're putting out music or a musical or a book or a movie, and you're not terrified, that, then you didn't do it right. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. You're yeah. right about that. Yeah. I think um, uh, it's, it's been really amazing to hear the whole the whole story of the. I mean, the whole story either through the books or the story of your life and through in, in music in this chat with you today. Yeah. I'm gonna ask you a question that. Um, so gratitude is assumed because the, the the easy answer to what I'm about to ask you is I'm very grateful for everything. Yeah. Looking back, what are you what are you most proud of after 30 years in the music business? Oh, uh, assembling a team and and keeping them, 
Really? 100%, yeah. Like the when I, the most, it, it, all through Great Big Sea, all through my life right now, the most single thing I'm the most proud of is looking around a tour bus or a, a gig or whatever and seeing all the people who are happily and gamefully, you know, in the biz and employed yeah. and and all because, uh, you know, of of a few songs that we all did or whatever like that gives me tremendous pride to like to to um to provide these opportunities for the greater team you know I, I i love it i still i still love doing that i loved it then i still love it you know and like and you know we're, we're about to go on this tour and you know it's two busfuls of people you know who are in the music business you know uh riding around north america in a couple of tour buses you know, playing in Vancouver and Seattle and Chicago and Toronto and <laughs> off we go, you know, and like that gives me great pride. I, I love being, I, I love being um, part of the reason why that happens and, and, you know, and, and because everybody on those buses wants to be on those buses really bad. Yeah. You know, and it's really hard to get on one of those buses. Yeah. It's really hard to get to work in the music business at that level. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. And if you can provide somebody an opportunity that thrills me to this day. Um, we're going to go out on uh, All for a Song. Yeah. Tell me about it before we play it. Oh, I wrote that with Catch. Catch, Oddly like enough, Oprah Medicine Show Catch? Yeah. Oprah, Oddly enough. Catch C-Core. Because of this show. Tell me. Well. Uh, as, I mean, I kind of know. But I mean, you kind of know. <laughs> I, 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 after you interviewed Catch, you and I were chatting, and, and for the listeners at home, Tom told me, do you know that Catch from Old Crow Medicine Show was a big, great, big Z fan? Well, well, the Catch, so I should catch people... <laughs> Catch people up. That way. There we go. Catch Secor from Old Crow Medicine Show. He's the guy who sang, sang and co-wrote Wagon Wheel. Yeah. For people who only know that, he came on the show. I texted you yeah. and said that he told me that he started Old Crow Medicine Show because he saw Great Big C yeah. in Moncton yeah. and said, oh, uh, I didn't know folk music could be that exciting. Oh, yeah. And he's, like, I learned that he was a big fan of the band, a big fan of me and the songwriting and all that. So we've texted back and forth a million times. We still have never met, but we wrote this song and one other one. Uh, and um, we got chatting about what we might write a song about. And we both sort of wanted to do like a love letter to our bands, you know. And, and so this song is, the chorus of this song, I think, is really from both of us to our various band members who have, you know, you know, who, who've, held us and we've held them and we've held each other for uh you know a lifetime you know and but the the verses of this song because i guess i was going to be the one singing the verses of this song is really a love letter to you know bob and sean and daryl and louie and chris and murray and the fans too to a certain degree but primarily about the guys who were in the van uh you know for the whole tenure of great big c and and how much effort it took to get there and how much sort of like love and appreciation that i have for that time in my life. So this is, you know, in effect, this is like, this is Catch and I's uh, love letter to our bands. I hear I get 10% of the publishing. I hear that's yeah, true. it's done, dude, buddy. <laughs> I would have given you 20. <laughs> it's my conversation with Alan Doyle. Thanks for coming in. Thanks so much. We said our goodbyes under an Argentia sky with old Newfoundland at our backs. There's no beds on the ferry So we drank ourselves merry And sailed off to find Halifax From his brand new album, Welcome Home, that is Alan Doyle with All for a Song. You can catch Alan on tour starting February 20th in Kelowna, British Columbia. And I'm looking at his website right now. He's on the road for a really long time. So chances are, if you're living and breathing in Canada, 
you're going to have an opportunity to see Alan Doyle as he tours this country and, and the U.S. The other conversation up today, another Canadian legend, the great Seth Rogen, came on the show to talk not about his new movies or talk about weed, well, kind of talk about weed, but to talk about his new show, The Great Canadian Pottery Throwdown, and why it's important to, as you get older, be bad at new stuff. We'll see you soon. Later on. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.